0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
1: When it comes to building muscle, it helps to fearlessly be yourself. Amateur bodybuilder Derek Bolt raised eyebrows and shook the bigots when he competed in a bodybuilding contest wearing purple nail polish, that matched his purple posing trunks.
2: Although Derek loved the presentation, he felt the look, along with his career as a film star, was too much for the judges and hurt his ranking in the contest. Let's grow big together! The podcast whose nail polish always matches the posing trunks. I'm Fausto Fernos.
1: And I'm Mark Filian. In this series, we're taking a look at the passion for muscle, adventures in bodybuilding, muscle gods, muscle worship, and practical advice to put on the gains.
2: Today, Derek Bolt, amateur bodybuilder, architect, film star, and overall renaissance man, joins us to take a look at breaking boundaries in bodybuilding as an openly gay, polyamorous
1: man. Plus, why yoga and stretching is so important to building muscle.
2: And Derek shares his yummy recipe for anabolic fried rice. Hello? Hi, is this Derek Bolt? It is. Let's grow big together.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is Fausto. And Mark from Let's Grow Big Together. How
3: are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you guys?
2: Derek, I'm so sorry we were running late. I was just having problems with a fax machine and I can't get it to work.
3: A fax machine?
2: (laughs) Do you think you can help me?
3: (laughs) I think that might be a little old school for me.
2: Well, I was kind of like trying to dig up your uh, films. uh, And what I found really fun is on YouTube is is finding all these sort of workplace uh, romances romances that are happening. (laughs)
3: Oh, are you talking about the one, um, the men at play one? I think so. Yeah. You
2: were wearing like a purple suit,
3: uh, Mm -hmm. at an
2: office, you know, and you were like, you have a really nice necktie. He's like, thanks. When you were handed a script to do this adult film, like where you're just like, this is
1: ridiculous.
2: (laughs) I'll do it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at that point that was later in my career. So I'd already been through so many horrible scripts that it was like, yeah, okay, whatever. (laughs) No one watches for the B roll anyway. Do you ever like argue
2: with the directors and you're like, this would never happen in real life because I'm an architect and I work in an office and
3: (laughs) no, I mean, it's all about fantasy anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think one of the worst ones I ever did was a fan written script for next door and the dialogue was just so stilted. I was just like, okay, whatever, we'll do this, but it's going to be bad. And it was awful.
2: Well, do you feel like they purposefully make the dialogue corny or awkward because that arouses people watching these movies? Maybe a little bit.
3: I think also just... I mean, the writing process for these scripts does not go through a whole lot of drafting. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably just one and done.
1: Yeah. Well, people, you know, a lot of people appreciate the setup. You know, I mean, some people will just you know, skip right ahead. They want to see the action. But some people want to be like, OK, how did these two guys get or three guys or four guys or how many people? How did they get into this situation? Like,
2: how did this mm-hmm. trouble um, develop their interpersonal relationship? Because it's really important for me to know
1: that. <laughs> Yeah. You got to buy into the fantasy.
2: Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. for me, I I like uh, w- when they take their t-shirts off and I like rewind the part where they're un- taking their clothing, f- clothing off. And I notice that different like adult companies, some of them like zoom in on the genitals really quickly. And I, you know, I mean, you have a phenomenal body, Derek. Thank you. And it's a crime if any of these films like only show your toe or your butthole or something <laughs> like that, you know? <laughs>
3: Well, my favorite um, undressing moment on set was we were doing this one yeah. and the script specifically called for me to rip my shirt off. <laughs> and so without telling anyone, yeah. that's exactly what I did. Uh, I literally just like ripped the shirt off, um, just hulked out of it, grabbed it by the car and just pulled the whole thing off um, down the middle. And then at cut, everybody just starts laughing their ass off because nobody on, had been expecting it. And they were like, that was so perfect. <laughs> and then, of course, we had to find an identical shirt so that I could do it again and get the pictures of it. Oh, because uh, the cameras weren't rolling. No, the cameras were rolling, but they need, they need um, video and stills. And so oh. I did it twice.
2: Yeah, that happened to me one time as like I hooked up with this guy and he was like so turned on by my jacked muscular body that he ripped off the t-shirt that I was wearing. And I was like, this is Dolce & Gabbana. It costs $78, you asshole. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, this is not consent. And I kicked him out of the house. I was like, what, else, what other crazy things is he going to be up to if he's willing to destroy this expensive Giorgio Armani? Sorry, I don't actually remember what the brand was. so I'm just throwing brand names out there.
3: Yeah, I normally try and avoid that unless I know the shirt is on on the table to get ripped apart.
2: Well, do you do you do, like I I you know in order to fund this podcast I do sell um my sweaty uh, t shirts from the gym and inevitably like I'm like oh I have these beautiful you know feast of fun t shirts that says not shaving gives me more time for misbehaving and the guys are all like no I just want like a black tank top and I'm just like. Don't be so basic. They just want the yeah. smells. They want they, the smell. Yeah, they yeah. want the smell. Do you have like fans that want to buy like you know uh, gently used clothing from you?
3: You know, I've gotten one or two requests, but yeah. surprisingly fewer than I would have expected throughout the years. Because I got to tell you, you know that
2: bodybuilding lifestyle don't come cheap.
3: No, chicken breast <laughs> is yep. expensive, and
2: human growth hormone and trenbolone and <laughs> you name coaching it. Coaching
3: is coaching and food. Coaching, and- and- yeah. Who's yeah, your coach, uh,
2: uh, Andrew Berry? Uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with him. Uh, how did you guys come together?
3: Uh, a couple of friends recommended him,
2: and he was like, "I'm going to be like your dad," and you know. Or...
3: No, I would describe him more as a um, military drill sergeant. Oh shit! Mm. Yeah, he knows what he's doing, but he does not um, not make it easy. Because you've heard,
2: you've talked to people who are, like fall in love with their coaches.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of people who. They're really close with their coach. Yeah. Um, I'd like to get there eventually, but I think also it's really hard to find someone that you both connect with and yeah. is knowledgeable and can push you.
4: Mm-hmm, I mean, there's, yeah.
3: there's only the, the trouble if you get too friendly with your coach and then they don't want to make you work hard or do things that you don't want to do.
2: Yeah. Well, th- that's the co- thing. Like a bad coach is like, it's all about communication, right? Yeah. And the bad one's going to be like, I'm busy right now. You're like, "Uh, but I, you know, the blood work on this test says I'm two days about to drop dead. And he's like, well, I'll call you three days later. (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, how many weeks away are you from your uh, next contest? Just
3: under three weeks.
2: Three weeks. Wow. And so I imagine just like right now, what's going on through your mind? Like getting ready for, because you've done quite a few contests and you know, got yeah, some swords my- and, and trophies on your belt, right?
3: Yeah, this will be my sixth competition. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's the first one I've done with a, a like a full coach. Um, I've had friends work with me before, but no one who was like, okay, I'm going to give you all your nutrition and all your workouts and all your supplementation and everything down to the letter, and you, you're, you're going to follow it. So it's the first time doing that. Um, it's really, really intense. Um, I'm so tired all the time.
2: So are you taking like little power naps or does your coach says no napping?
3: Well, you know, it's not like a sleepy tired. It's just my muscles are so fatigued yeah. from the constant work and the lack of food. Cause you're
2: basically, Cause I- you know, so for people who are not familiar with this process, it's like at this point, you're just trying to basically keep as much muscle as you can while losing weight to get that lean ripped. Uh, what do they call it? The chicken skin look, right?
3: Dick skin. Dick skin. <laughs> <laughs> The veins yeah. overall, every yeah. square inch of your body. Mm.
2: And so you're, uh, most of that is coming from you know, caloric restriction and increasing cardiovascular exercise.
3: Yep. Right now, my coach just on Friday bumped me up to 90 minutes a day of cardio. Wow. On top of an hour plus workout um, and some posing every day and then stretching and a little bit of a- other miscellaneous stuff.
1: Are you doing the 90 minutes of cardio all at once or you break it up during the day? You I break it
3: up. I do morning and evening. Mm.
2: Does that count include walking, or or that's separate to to your getting your steps in?
3: Um, so I don't actually have a step goal, mm-hmm. but um, every time that I walk to the gym, I it's a ten minute walk each way. So I give myself a like a discounted bonus against some of the other cardio. It's like, oh, I walked twenty minutes today. That means I can take five minutes off one of the cardio sessions.
1: That, that's right. Because <laughs> it's, not,
3: it's not the same intensity as like, oh, I'm doing Stairmaster, but it definitely counts for something. And I think I did the, yeah. did the calorie conversion out. It's like two to one. And so I figure four to one is fairly safe to make sure I'm getting everything in.
1: I saw one of the videos on YouTube you, uh, you did and you were uh, competing and you were just talking about like how thirsty you were and how your mouth was so dry because you were dehydrated. What does that, that feel like?
3: Oh, it's crazy. Everybody's like, oh my God, you must be so horny when you come off stage. I'm like, no, I don't want anything. I want water and I want food. That's mm-hmm. it. Because <laughs> so the the peak week is just the last week before your show is completely different mm-hmm. than yeah. everything else. Because right now I'm just, I'm eating about 3000 calories a day from a variety of food sources. So carbs, fats, proteins, I'm drinking plenty of water. Avoiding sugars, avoiding fats, that type of thing. Pretty pretty reasonable. It's just the, the intensity is really high. Peak week, it's, everything gets turned on its head because by that point, you're either shredded or you're not. You're not going to lose any appreciable amount of body fat in that last week that's going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. So what you're trying to do is figure out how to trick your body into giving you the look that you want. So, so dehydration is the key. Yeah, but you actually have to think backwards from that. So the for the last week on Monday, you start drinking about three gallons of water a day. Mm. And what that does is it tells your body, oh my God, we have so much water. You need to expel as much water as possible. And it um regulates your hormones to to create that imbalance where you're just gonna be peeing and sweating constantly to get the water out of your body. Mm-hmm. And then Friday, right before the show, you actually stop drinking water completely. And Uh, that hormone balance will last uh, 24 hours or so after you stop drinking so much water. And so for the next day, you're not taking any water in, but you're expelling the same amount of water out. And so it just flushes you completely dry. Mm.
2: You know, this was a science fair quiz question that I got right in high school is the hormone is vasopressin. And I'm wondering, uh, that's basically the hormone your body releases when you have excess amounts of water. And I didn't realize, I guess, that uh, the the levels would stay up so high. So then, when you cut the water out, your body's just going to like squeeze itself out like a sponge.
3: Yeah, pretty much. Wow. But then you get really thirsty. And then you're just I mean, like, like, water, so, water. So
1: you come off stage and you can just like get a gallon of water and just chug it.
3: Yeah. Well, you have to <laughs> do little sips for the first for the first half hour or well, so, because otherwise kids. you'll just throw up.
2: <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, so I imagine that that can also create cramps and like make it challenging to just be present and, you know, flexing the way and, you know, because you're also doing a performance uh, in some contest, Mm -hmm. right? Are you planning one this time as well? Yep.
3: And uh, you, uh you get a minute to do whatever posing that you want in the evening show.
2: And those are, I always find to be a lot of fun. Cause they're almost kind of like uh, drag shows if They're done by jocks, you know? <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, and you're not really, they don't yeah. really count to your score. It's really all just about showing yourself off. Not at that point.
2: And celebrating that accomplishment. Yeah, exactly. You know? And, and so I'll uh, also talking to people. It's like, they feel like they make a lot of progress in their gains in the months after the contests. Because there's so much depletion happening that the body's then primed to grow.
3: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you'll commonly see like a five to 10 pound in the first week just as your body reacclimates to being normal. And then you can get some really serious gains in the next month or two just and without having to work that hard because your metabolism is slowed down a little bit from eating so little. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you can take the calories that you're eating on the cut and just slowly dial them back up. And you can be gaining a pound or two a week. Without having to eat 5,000, 6,000 calories a day, which is really nice. Mm.
2: Well, and you're a pretty well-known bodybuilder, you know, certainly like since we've been doing this podcast, people being like, you got to talk to Derek Bolt. And I'm like, Derek Bolt, (laughs) Um, I wouldn't talk or anything, you know, it's like, you're, you're gorgeous. And, um, and so people, you know, the judges, I imagine are already familiar with you is do you feel, have you ever worried that your, you know, porn, uh, career may, you know, hurt you in, in, in the bodybuilding scoring or, or they try to be very objective about that and not consider, you know, what you do outside of the stage.
3: Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that last year when I competed, it was actually a negative and it's it spurred me to this year probably that I'm going to compete under my real name and okay. just hope that that kind of quiets all of that down mm. um, Bodybuilding is still unfortunately a fairly homophobic sport despite being probably the gayest presentation of any sport out there <laughs> like it, it's up there with um uh like diving or um whatever the horse one is. Polo. No, not the synchronized dressage. swimming. Oh, Dossage, yes, yeah. It's like you've got the you've got hot muscular men posing in speedos, but God forbid that they do anything even remotely gay. And so last year, I think that that had an effect on my scoring mm. um, because I also like stupidly was like, I want to be myself. Oh, wear a nail polish and. I don't think that did me any favors. Oh, really? What colored nail polish did you do? And did it match your briefs? It did. I was wearing purple briefs and I wore a purple blue metallic nail polish.
2: Oh, uh, uh, you're my hero. I have to say that's really beautiful. Because you know, looked, you're a lot of people put so much energy and work into performing and, and being in this contest. And then when you're there, it's like it's just the, the instinct is to want to fit in, right? And here mm-hmm. you are like fearlessly being yourself. And I think that's really, uh, you know, you may not have won a medal that day, Derek, but you won one from us. Aw. Oh. And you're like, great, but I can't pay the bills with
3: that medal. <laughs> <laughs> well, bodybuilding doesn't pay the bills for me anyway.
2: Well, I know it's like, how are these guys making money? Because you always see them like in Dubai and you're like, I know some, you know, Arabian oil sheik is paying them for muscle worship or something, mm-hmm. you know? And you're like, because I have a, a couple of friends that are like, they get hit up uh, to travel. Because
1: it is expensive for to bodybuild yeah. because it's, you know, it's the, your coach, your training, your gear, the food, the just the opportunity lost because you're at the gym. You're not out someplace else making money. You know? Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you're taking a leave a of absence investment. from
3: work even. Yeah. Well, fortunately for me, I actually have a very kind and flexible work schedule. That's good. <laughs> so I can just take... Um, take the time I need to work around it. And I mean, I just make sure I get everything done. Um, and whether or not that happens between nine and five, it, um, doesn't really matter where, when I'm in the office, as long as everything's getting done and done well.
2: So in addition to training hard, you're doing caloric restriction, you're dehydrating yourself, you're doing all these things and you're going to work from nine to five, like Dolly Parton. Yeah, Exactly. What a way to make a living. Uh, But, uh, and and so like in, I imagine that your coworkers are just like, they're like aware that you're doing this contest and are they like supportive or are they just kind of like, gee, you sure have a lot of muscles, mister.
3: I mean They're they're very supportive. Um, I've been with the same company now for over four years. So they've been around and seen me do a couple of these. They know I'm pretty serious about it and they know um, that it means a lot to me. And so they, they're always like, oh, we're so excited for you to do that. Well, let's go out to lunch when you're free to eat something normal.
2: Do any of them come to see you like uh, perform, you know, on stage and stuff?
3: No. I mean, I actually usually tell almost everyone not to come to shows unless you actually like the sport of bodybuilding. Because mm-hmm, I'll mm-hmm. only be on stage for five, maybe ten minutes if I actually win the thing. Uh, and they're weirdly expensive and usually in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, there's so like, one there's a, one a that's happening
2: commitment. in on November 5th at the Copernicus Center. Uh, you know, um, Joey the Giant.
1: He's been a guest on the podcast. Been a yeah.
2: guest on the podcast and soon to be a guest on the podcast, uh, John Paul. They're both friends of ours and they're competing. And we're, we're having to be there at 10 a.m. Their prejudging starts at like 8 in the morning or something. Ungodly mm-hmm. hour, you know?
3: <laughs> yeah, Exactly.
2: And they're like having to be pumped, ready, and that's where they win the contest at the crack of dawn. And the judges are sitting there, you know, with Dunkin' Donuts looking at them, and they're, you know, they're like, "Uh exactly. They're like, I don't see no Christmas tree on this back, minus two points.
3: Yeah, and so I have, I have a lot of people who are like, oh my god, I want to come. Like, honestly, it's an hour and a half south of DC in Woodbridge, Virginia. Wow, it starts at nine in the morning, so you have to get up at the butt crack of dawn, it's $50 for you to come watch me. Why don't you meet me for brunch when I get back to DC at like one o'clock and we'll have some fun. Then we'll go back to my place and just have a party and you can spend whatever you would have spent coming to see me on food. Oh, that's not, that's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, I'll have a couple friends who are into bodybuilding or bodybuild themselves who are going to actually come to the show, but that's because they'll be interested in everything, including me rather than just coming to see me for five minutes.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, do you feel like in terms of like overcoming prejudice or homophobia or, you know, or I don't know what word would be like, uh, pornophobia? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Do you feel like, uh, you know, they're aware that Derek Bolt has this other career outside of bodybuilding and they know that that's a stage name. And so they, you know, they're just like, they feel it's too many shenanigans.
3: The judges? yeah. I think that if I compete under my stage name, they probably do know. And they're generally negative about that. Mm. I think competing under my real name, I don't think anyone will really notice or care.
2: And your real name is like Herman Moishovitz. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's a standard Italian American name. Pretty boring. I, I, so
2: how'd you come up with the name Derek Bolt? Is that something that was given to you? Is it a name you chose?
3: Um, no, I picked it. Um, uh-huh. My... Uh, Let's see. I started in 2016. So the Derek part was actually based on Derek Hale from Teen Wolf. Okay. Yep. I was like, okay, I need a name. Oh, I like Hale. Cool. We'll do that. It's a nice butch name. Yeah. And then the Bolt part was just kind of, I had an agent at the time and he was trying to hang on me like the worst possible names. Like, you know, the the really corny porn names like Alex Mecham or Jeremy Spreadham's. And so like, <laughs> and we just ran through like a bunch of last names until I was like, mm, bolt, bolt works. I like it. I like the, the iconi- iconography of a lightning bolt. So let's do it. Nuts and bolts.
2: So your husband also shares your last name.
3: Oh, only on Twitter, actually. We, oh. When we got married, <laughs> we actually did not um, ch- change our real names.
2: Okay. So but, but, uh, so but he also is known to the public as Dylan Bolt. Mm-hmm. So he took your name.
3: Yeah, well, he wanted to have he wanted to be able to interact with me on social media I see. as Derek Bolt, and so he got his own, I guess, porn adjacent Twitter account. That's
2: so romantic. Mm-hmm. Do you do you do you have like uh, pressure from your fans to like do something with your husband because they want the authentic, real you know, thing? There, or
3: there was a little while back, and I think after shooting it down enough times, most people are like, okay, that's not ever going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So fortunately, that's. I mean, I'm at this point. I'm such a known quantity to most people that they're not going to be like, "Oh my God, your husband do something with him." And they're like, and I think with with the advent of OnlyFans, I think people also started to realize that, like, oh yeah, these people have real lives that are separate from what we do, mm-hmm. and that not everything has to be shared online. Mm.
2: Well, it's nice that that they at least respect your boundaries, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it it can be a situation where like. And certainly Mark and I can attest to this is that we've, you know, some of the listeners and we're glad to share and glad to connect with people. But sometimes people are like, want to know exactly what, who you had sex with, what took place, you know, what angles and, and they want photographs. And I'm just like, i'm I'm a talk show host. You know? yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, so I have to play them the Tina Turner song, like, if me and my baby go quarreling one night, make sweet love every single night, it ain't nobody's business. what me and my man do.
1: <laughs> okay, Tina. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, but but a part of it is like just creating those boundaries with with the public, the people that are interested and excited about you, you know.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, I share a lot with people online. Like I do Instagram question and answers quite a bit. I'll answer people on Twitter all the time. But there are certain things where I'm just like, no, that's that's my private life. Mm -hmm. And you aren't entitled to it. Mm
1: -hmm. So when you when you got into porn, you went uh, with the studios, uh, working with studios, uh, rather than OnlyFans, because I don't think OnlyFans was such a big thing back then, right?
3: Yeah, I actually started before OnlyFans mm-hmm. kicked off. Mm. Um, I mean, I started in 2016, which is feels like forever ago. Yeah, that's when, when
2: fax th- machines were a thing.
3: Yeah, my uh, <laughs> sixth anniversary this year in April. I was like, oh, wow. Jesus, I've been doing this for way too long. Especially when you consider that the shelf life of a gay porn star is like standard six months or something. Mm-hmm.
1: And so are you are you doing mostly only fans now, or is it just a combination of the both? How does that work? I mean, because I would imagine studios want some kind of exclusivity or or do they not really care so much anymore? It seems like it's very like diversified now.
3: The studios have kind of lost that battle. yeah, like, unless you're willing to cut somebody the most ridiculous agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not worth it for that for studios to try and get them to be or it's not worth it for the models to be exclusive because they can. You'd have to give them so much money to compensate for what they lose from not mm-hmm. not doing OnlyFans. Yeah, um, I'm actually, I consider myself semi-retired. Um, I quietly did semi-retired during the pandemic and was just like, eh, I don't. I'm at that point in my real-life career where I make more than enough money to cover my bills. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really not hustling to make money from porn. It's more of a Well, it's still part of my life and I still enjoy it. So if somebody makes me an offer where it's a studio that I really want to work with or um, it's really good money or it lets me go on a trip to do something, to to visit a location that I wanted to visit and I'll do a a scene while I'm there or it's someone I really want to work with for OnlyFans, then then I'll start taking the jump. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, I'm like, eh, I'm not really going to chase these types of opportunities um, at the moment. Mm. And then OnlyFans, like, I have a, a hot and cold relationship with it because it's. I um, I struggle a lot with the idea of how much do I want to give to it um, because it's not a full time commitment for me.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And it can very easily become this time suck or this thing where you feel like anytime you're having any sort of sexual activity, you should be recording it and putting it online. Mm hmm. And so it's this very difficult question for me of, like, how do you, I balance that? How do I make good content that's good for my fans, but at the same time not overdo it where it's ne- a negative for my mental health? Right, because you want to enjoy it, too. Exactly. And for me, um, studio work has always been easier because it's there's a very defined boundary of, okay, I get on a plane, I go shoot this, and I get on a plane, I come back, and I'm done. Only fans, it's like, so you gotta you got to set up the the content with everybody and then you've got to edit it and post it and promote it and do all of that and you have to do that constantly and so it's very difficult um to keep it in a
0: lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office Yeah, like I find that the
2: my f- sexy friends that do OnlyFans, they're always wanting me to like film with them and stuff, and I'm just like, you know, and I'm like, I don't. It feels like then it's not they're interested in sex with you because they're aroused by you. It's more like they're just needing to fulfill that, you know, that insatiable.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause, like, you know, social media. It, you know, OnlyFans, in, in, in a way, is a form of social media, and that can just suck you in. And just, you know, you feel like you always have to tweet, you always have to post, you always have to do this thing, and it can be overwhelming.
3: The, the way that social media works, it rewards you the more you post, and it negatively penalizes you if you don't post enough or you don't create enough content. Mm-hmm. And so, if your life livelihood depends on that type of thing, it can get even more toxic. Or if you become accustomed to getting a certain amount of attention and money from it it's very hard to figure out how to pull back from that.
2: Yeah. And like, I feel like that sometimes, you know, we're doing a bodybuilding podcast and it gets in the way of getting to the gym or eating or sleeping. And, and you're just like, like, I'm the biggest hypocrite there is like, cause I'm telling, you know, like if I consult with people for bodybuilding, I'm like, you got to make sure you're eating, you're sleeping, go to the gym is your number one priority. And they're just like, uh, how about you? And I'm like, uh, don't look at, don't look behind the curtain, you know?
3: yeah exactly
2: so what was your uh, what's your um, uh, meals like uh, just to give the listeners kind of an insight into prep week so this is a, a caloric restriction and yeah, sugar so you're mostly sugar free and and uh, refined free and processed food free
3: yeah I can give you I mean it's it's yeah. such a simple meal plan I can give you the um, the whole thing in just five two minutes yeah let's so hear our it meal number one yeah. is literally just Two eggs, um, which nor- in order to make it more interesting, I spice it up with a bunch of vegetables, um, spinach, peppers, onions, mushrooms, that type of thing. All those calorie free or f- very, very, very low calorie vegetables mm-hmm. and then slather it with sriracha.
2: And so you're so like so- sort of, stir frying that or on uh, a nonstick uh, yeah, pan
3: or a nonstick pan with no oil because yeah. you can't do oil. So thank God I bought some really nice nonstick uh, recently. So I don't need the oil.
2: And, you know, the fat in the egg also kind of acts like a a bit of a, you know, the oil that you normally would, right?
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: So that's and meal then, number again, one, and that starts at one. what time of the day, usually? Well, uh, usually
3: like 8.30 or so. That's okay. my breakfast. Okay. On weekends, it's like 10 o'clock. <laughs> and that happens after after the morning cardio. Okay, so, then, so
2: you wake up in the morning and you're doing cardio in like a, in a bicycle? Are you going for a walk or...?
3: Um, I just pop over to the gym. I live about five minutes from my local gym, so I just pop over, hop on the bike or hop on the Stairmaster.
2: In your pajamas?
3: No. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, I don't wear pajamas to bed, so I throw something on. Ooh.
2: And so, so, okay, so you're, uh, you're going, you're doing your cardio, you're having your breakfast of two eggs and vegetables and no oil, so a little sriracha, mm-hmm. then what happens after that?
3: Yeah, meal number two is uh, 150 grams of rice and seven ounces of chicken.
2: Okay, and that um, happens at what time of the day?
3: I'm usually, like eleven. I try and space my meals out by about three hours every day because um, I get six meals. And that way, will... right now, it's so important for me to space them out because otherwise, I get so unbelievably hungry if it's more than three hours. Yeah, or I, I, I sometimes suffer from low blood sugar if that happens. Yeah,
2: that that happened to me one time. It's like at the end of the workout, like I had about four hours without eating, and I was just like hurled. And, and, and poor Mark was in the bathroom um, and he was standing in there and I was just like, and, and uh, I, I thought I was going to like, you know, save the vomit from going out by covering my mouth.
1: I don't think you even covered your mouth. You just projectile vomited right And on it was my just hand. like, it sprayed it all
2: over the place. It was like a uh, exorcist, you know?
1: Next time, go to the garbage or the kitchen sink. I tried.
2: I tried. No, yeah, you I didn't. You cans. went to the bathroom.
1: Yeah. I opened the bathroom door, and then all of a sudden, just pukes just coming at me. It's <laughs> disgusting.
2: And then it was like, you know, then we had to call a priest and <laughs> do an exorcism, and I was, you know... But so so let's go back to talking about food. <laughs> so so you're uh, so you're having your second meal of uh, uh chicken and rice at eleven a.m. and then what happens after that? Uh,
3: meal number three is um, seven ounces of steak, one hundred fifty grams of rice, okay. and that's about two o'clock or so. That's my afternoon meal.
2: And are you preferring this in any kind of like way? Are you just kind of like microwaving it or air frying this or? So I'm actually I'm a pretty good cook, and,
3: yeah. and I'm an excellent baker, which yeah. is not helping me at all right now. <laughs> but um, so I, I grill a lot yeah. of my uh, my meats and stuff, um, and I'll do things like I'll make instead of just plain white rice, I'll do cilantro lime rice, or I'll um, whip up some seasoning and just mix that into the rice to give it a little bit more flavor. A lot of the times I'll cube up the chicken and put um, salsa in with the chicken and rice because mm-hmm. again, almost no calories for that. Um, and then, th- then for like the steak and stuff, I like hot sauce. um I have this really cool one that's a um uh, truffle oil hot sauce, which is delicious. Mm. yeah, um, and then my um if we skip a meal, and I'll come back to it that one the s- fifth meal that I do is also steak and rice. It's um my after workout meal, and it's um two hundred grams of rice, so I get a little extra after the workout, which is always nice. And for that one, I've come up with this recipe that's I call unfried rice. Um, so you take that steak and you take the rice and you cube up the steak, and then again you start with a vegetable base of um, right now it's fajita veggies, mushrooms, um, and then some snap peas and a little bit of broccoli. Um, all nice, fibrous vegetables, with really low calorie. Um, toss that in the nonstick, let it get hot and kind of um, sear them a bit. Toss in a little bit of garlic, a little bit of ginger. And then you throw the rice and the steak on top of that. Mix it all up. Throw some soy sauce in. Put some sriracha. If I'm feeling particularly adventurous, I'll put a pinch of MSG in. um, And you just mix all that up and you get something that somewhat resembles fried rice, just minus the egg and all the fat and Mm. all the the things that would make it not a very good bodybuilding meal. Mm. Is MSG anabolic? (laughs) No, I mean, it's just – it's a seasoning and – because it's a form of sodium, right? Yeah, and yeah. it's just more intense than salt, and it's it helps accentuate the umami flavor of meat mm-hmm. um, and mushrooms. So it's a nice touch.
1: I think it breaks open proteins in, in some of the uh, in, in your meals, and that's what gives it that flavor, right? I think so. Yeah,
2: and so so between three and five, which is steaks and fried rice kind of thing. Uh, and by the way, do you mind us uh, sharing one of those recipes uh, with our listeners? We'll post it in the notes. Yeah. I'll send bolts you. Fried, uh, anabolic fried rice. <laughs> yeah.
3: I'll send you, um, after the show, I'll send it to you.
2: Oh, that would be great. Yeah. And so uh, yeah. between th- meal three and five, uh, what takes place?
3: Yeah. So there's the pre-workout meal, which is cream of rice um, and 10 grams of peanut butter and then three scoops of protein powder. Mm. So really, really um, delicious meal right there. Yeah. I'm so hungry at this point. Like the cream of rice is like, ooh, yay, carbs.
2: And then, and then the final, and then you, when are you going to the gym during all this?
3: Uh, between those two meals, okay. um, usually around like six or seven. Um, and that's weights, stretching, posing, and some more cardio.
1: <laughs> do you pose during every workout?
3: Pretty much right now, just leading up into the show. It's, I've got to mm-hmm. do it every day.
1: Yeah. I mean there's a lot of people that say your muscles grow because you pose. You know, doing those flexings and doing the posing helps uh, invigorate your muscles and get them to grow. Do do you feel like that that's true for you?
0: Um
3: I mean at this point I don't think my muscles can grow cuz I don't have enough of a kilo- caloric surplus, but it certainly helps stimulate mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. But like I mean
2: off season or the rest of the year do you find because I I'm a big believer that flex you know your muscles are like use them or lose them, right? And so part mm-hmm. of it is just like flexing them sort of trains their nerves. I mean, maybe like you have an a- athletic background in lacrosse, right? So mm-hmm. you already are very motion oriented and, you know, people who are not necessarily motion oriented, uh, who sit behind a desk or do something very intellectual. Um, they're not going to be as instinctual about, you know, making that mind muscle connection and flexing. And so flexing yeah. really helps for them. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, so, yeah, mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually
3: have a background. I did lacrosse in high school, but I also have done Taekwondo and earned my black belt and then continued that through college Mm -hmm. and then picked up yoga in college. So all of those things together have given me a very um, strong connection to how my body moves through space.
2: And and how often are you doing yoga?
3: Right now, I don't have time to do any actual yoga practice. But I do a lot of the um, the most condensed version of the stretches just because if you're not stretching, you get so stiff from bodybuilding. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can't do the poses properly, and you can't work out properly because you're too stiff to do the motions. Um, and I spend a lot of time sitting at a desk, and you really have to counteract that with constant stretching.
2: I mean, I'd, I'd pay to watch, uh, you know, your condensed yoga routine. I think that's like... You know, you have all this really great, like, technique and, and ideas in your bodybuilding. I don't know if, like, the rest of the public is like me, you know, but it's like, because everyone's like, no, we want to see Derek having sex. You know <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, like mm-hmm. OnlyFans doesn't have to be, like, uh, you know, just sexual activity. In fact, I, I think the company about... doesn't want you to, right?
3: Well, they're kind of, they're always wishy-washy over that. Yeah. They're like, well, we make all of our money from porn, mm-hmm. but we don't want to be a porn company, but we kind of are. Yeah. It's weird,
1: but I think people have like you know OnlyFans for like knitting and cooking and (laughs) and people. Yeah,
3: there's not that many though because people just do uh, Patreon for that. Yeah,
2: and and so in terms of the your last meal of the day before you like you're you're eating an hour before going to
3: bed or. Yeah, usually about like eleven o'clock. I'll have it's just a little bit more cream of rice, peanut butter, and protein powder. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, give me the energy to recover a little bit,
2: and then Dylan's like how long is this going to go on for?
3: <laughs> oh, he's not that. He, he doesn't mind. I just made, um, yeah. don't tell him, because he's he's at a wedding this weekend without me. Um, and yesterday night, I baked two different batches of the most disgustingly delicious brownies. Didn't eat any of them. Froze most of them for after my show, but kept him uh, like a dozen of them for him to have throughout the week. Aww. Oh, that's so romantic. Yeah, I made a... Um, brownies with a brown butter caramel icing and almond chocolate brittle Mm. and then I did a cheesecake swirl brownie cooked with black cocoa powder so instead of being brown the swirls are actually like jet black wow
2: Derek you heard the expression get out of my dreams and into my car (laughs) get out (laughs) of my Instagram and into my kitchen (laughs) that's amazing
3: yeah, um, it's weird being a bodybuilder who yeah. is a really good baker because I have baked um, in my, during this last you know six week period. I baked three different birthday cakes, including one for my own myself that I didn't even eat. Um, oh my god! Wow. <laughs> yeah, um, my husband and I. Sh- Where his birthday is on the eleventh, and mine is the tenth of October. Oh, so we had, we had a combined birthday. birthday combined birthday party, and I baked a cannoli cheesecake and didn't even try it.
2: Oh, what's a cannoli cheesecake exactly? Is that like a pasta there's inside of it or
3: no? So it's, um, it's a standard graham cracker crust.
2: (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm confusing. Uh, okay. The, the Italian dessert. Okay. Yeah.
3: Yeah, So it's, um, standard graham cracker crust and then a ricotta cheesecake. And then I topped that with a ricotta whipped cream mixture, um, with mini chocolate chips and ground up pistachios on top of it.
4: Oh my mm. God. Derek. I'm
3: told it was really light and delicious. Um, I'll have to make it again at some point when I can try it.
2: You're, ama- you're amazing, man. It's like, wow. That's that's like if this bodybuilding uh, porn career doesn't go well, you can always be a baker. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I-, I got a question about what you wear at the gym. You have this phenomenal body. It's important to like make the mind muscle connection, but I noticed that some bodybuilders wear, especially the the ones that are like getting up to the contest and the size that you have, they're wearing like really loose sweaters, you know, or hoodies are hiding the muscle.
1: We got to keep the muscle warm.
3: Mm. I, my gym attire year round is pretty much shorts and a tank top.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, you you have a photo here that you were wearing, like, uh, it's like your new favorite shirt, and it was really, like, loose fitting.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, um, I try and mix it up a little bit. Is this that was the gray one?
2: 100% uh, per- uh, approved by Big Boy.
3: Oh, yeah. That one was a birthday present for my boyfriends. Oh. It's very um, 90s uh, bodybuilder chic. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a departure from my usual style, but it's kind of fun. Um, Sometimes the oversized can really accentuate the fact that you are not oversized, like that you're, you're so shredded and lean having that fabric hanging in the right way.
2: Yeah. I mean, you look, you make anything look good, you know? And I, you know, I want to sort of popularize the, the term chonky to describe like muscular guys who are thick with muscle. 'Cause, (laughs) Cause you've heard the word chonky used to describe like a big cat. Mm-hmm. that's like overfed and stuff. And I was looking at this one bodybuilder at my gym and I was like, Chonky is a good word to describe him, you know? And, and kind of I like the same, you have similar physique as he does. Like you guys are just big men, but it's like, if you weren't muscular, you'd be bears, you know?
3: Mm-hmm. It is weird being um, in the gay community and not really having an animal familiar to, to associate with. Well, actually chonky is
2: good though. I mean, They're what do you think? Bear, are, you, are you are you against it or do you think it's stupid? I think if
1: somebody <laughs> wants to label themselves chonky, they can, but I yeah. think that some people would might be like, "You're not fat enough to be chonky" or I don't know what.
2: Chonky is whoever wants to re- use the term for themselves. I mean, That's I right. I consider myself chonky, you know. Or at least a chunk and Yeah. You know, but so, so it's about thick with muscle. Like instead, you're like the human equivalent of a of a big cat.
3: You know, So well, that'll be me on the on the off season. Yeah. Right now, I'm I don't think I could be described as chunky because I don't have enough body fat. Mm.
2: What What's your uh, if you don't mind me asking, uh, your height and weight right now?
3: I'm about 225 pounds and five foot ten. So you're
2: big, mm-hmm. but it, you're also very lean right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, I remember when 225 was my Like bulk season weight, and now it's my I'm shredded, ready for a competition weight, which is pretty nice. That feels
2: that must feel really good.
3: Yeah, it's I mean, even just over last year, like Mm -hmm. I'm heavier than I actually right now. I'm about the same weight as I was three weeks out, but I'm so much leaner. I've probably gained about ten pounds of muscle solidly in just the last fourteen or so months since my last competition, which Mm -hmm. is wild.
1: And so, after this competition, is it just you're you're you're, you're going to rest for a little bit and then get ready for another competition, or how far are you gonna how far do you want to take this?
3: I mean, at some point, I want to go back to a national level competition and hopefully um, be at a point where I can be competitive for a pro card. That would be my long term goal. Mm. Where I go after this, I haven't really decided. Um, if I was a glutton for punishment, then the next national competition is on December second, but. I'm going to not do that because I want to eat Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh,
1: one meal can't upset everything. Can it?
3: Yep. Especially that type of a meal. Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Um, that show actually has typically been hosted the last weekend before Thanksgiving. I have no idea why they changed it recently to be the first weekend after Thanksgiving. It just seems a little odd to me. They probably couldn't Um,
1: get the venue or something.
3: Yeah. Um, But so I'm looking at, do I do a national show next year? Is there enough time between this late November show and something over the summer, or do I take a year and a half off, get really big again, and then compete at a national one in 2024?
2: Why is it so important for people to get a pro card or, you know, pro designation in a contest? Like what does that unlock for them?
3: Well, so all of the bodybuilding competitions run by the NPC. Our amateur class. Mm-hmm. So it, I'm spending about six hundred dollars to compete this uh, time, and no matter how good I win, I, I could win the overall for this show, and my prize is going to be like a cheap trophy, and that's it. Uh, once you get your pro card, you can actually start competing in pro level events, and there's actual prize money associated with them. So, so it's, it's the a,
2: sort of like a it's about the finances in competition. That once you get the pro card you're able to sort of like, it opens up the possibility of actually competing to make a living.
3: Mm -hmm. And then if you think about it another way, like it's very difficult to get a pro card. I think in bodybuilding for my weight class, there's only like five given every year.
2: Oh, wow. Uh, What weight class are you now?
3: Uh, Open heavyweight. Okay. So Uh they don't make very many pros. Um, uh, there's five or six new heavyweight pros every year. Um, so winning that pro card, earning that pro card is kind of a signifier to everybody in the bodybuilding world that, Hey, I am actually serious about this. I am a quality quality bodybuilder. I think it opens up a lot of doors in terms of getting sponsorships, getting um, modeling contracts, things like that, which truth be told, unless you're winning, like consistently winning pro shows or you're making, Um, the type of money from Olympia level events, you're not making money. You're not making enough money from competing to win. You're making money from having sponsorships, doing modeling contracts, coaching, things like that. And all of those things are accentuated. If you can say, Hey, I'm an IFBB pro. There's only three or 400 of us in the whole world. Mm. Um, you want me to coach you or I'm an IFBB pro. You want me to rep your brand because I have this great following and this great reputation.
2: So in in some ways it is like sort of a pageant system, you know, because some of the, you know, Natasha Douglas, who's now going by Joey, the giant um, he's done a couple of bodybuilding competitions and he's like, it's basically the same mechanics there. Right. Uh, If you gain access by, you gain access to sort of like asking for more money or gaining access by competing in shows that give you money. So it's really about like the finances of this. Hmm. Yeah,
3: and, and just a claim. I mean, yeah. I don't know if I would. I want to win a pro card. I am not sure if I would continue to compete afterwards. Yeah. But it's almost like a challenge to myself: of can you reach that lofty peak? Can you prove yourself worthy?
2: But I mean, for you, like you know, muscle is very pleasurable too. Like you are attracted to muscular men, and you like the the muscles on your own body. Hmm. Who are you? Uh, who are your muscle inspirations?
3: Well, I would. I always go to Reagan Grimes as someone who I feel like I have a similar body type to, and would absolutely love to get to that level of size and muscular musculature.
1: How many pounds of muscle would that be that you'd have to put on? Oh, jeez,
3: <laughs> like another thirty. Oh, you can do
1: that. <laughs> he's a super
2: super chunk.
3: Yeah, he's he's six one and three hundred pounds right now. Wow, my heaviest was two sixty and uh, at five ten. Yeah. So I think I'd probably have to get up to two seven two eighty or so um yeah. and be about as lean as him to to be equivalent.
2: Did you ever see that video that he made where he was putting like his uh water bottle on his pecs? Yep. And he's kind of like knocking them over and then he goes to exercising and you're like, Daddy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. And then just a bodybuilder that I look up yeah. to in general is like Derek Lunsford. Because even though he's not someone who is even remotely close to where I want to be or could be because we have very different body types, he's a lot shorter and wider. Um, But he just has a really great personality and a really great – he's he's just a nice guy. He's someone who I look at and say, yes, that's the type of person I want to see repping bodybuilding at the highest levels. I want somebody who's kind and dedicated and – really inclusive and that type of person rather than one of these guys that's just always running their mouth about how I'm the best and I'm the biggest and I'm the coolest and you should all worship me. I'm the alpha. Those well, types of bodybuilders just drive me up, up a wall.
2: It is funny, like the whole, you know, brag and boast or fake it till you make it culture, whether it's, you know, drag queens or rappers or musicians or bodybuilders or boxers, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. It's like almost to me, comical. You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and, and, but you know, when, when you meet somebody who takes it seriously, like whether it's Nicki Minaj or, you know, or somebody from drag race who imitates Nicki Minaj and has the same kind of like approach of like, you know, bringing out their claws out. If anybody dares look at them or say something unkind um, is to me, it's tragic because, you know, you don't have to sell what you are because you clearly have accomplished so much. Mm-hmm. And here you know you're you're easily upset by some trifling of some random stranger on the internet or you know what I'm saying like it to me it's like it reminds me of this uh thing that I read somewhere where it's your mind is the last thing that changes when you're developing your body and so your brain thinks your body is still what it was 5 or 10 years ago. And it yeah. then it takes time for your mind to catch up with what you're supposed to look like or what you actually do look like when you're making those changes.
3: Well, those people that are just, they're so aggressive at defending mm-hmm. themselves and putting themselves out there and trying to convince themselves and everybody around them that they're worthy. Yeah. What's going through their head. Are they really happy in there? I hope they are, you know,
2: but, but what's happiness when you got muscles? Yeah. <laughs> you
3: know what I'm Let the muscles
2: keep you warm at night.
3: I mean, through therapy, I've always been working on how do you love the body that you have, but also want to make it the best that you have? How do you balance those two things, the desire for more growth Mm -hmm. and more, more progress and the need to really be happy in your own skin at Mm -hmm. every point in the journey?
2: That's why I keep telling everybody. And, 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 and it's, I think it's such an important thing, idea to sort of like really examine for you Like, how did you sort of um, celebrate who you are at the moment? Like, was there any kind of like, um, you know, things that you did or a special approach or a special realization that you had?
3: No, I I don't think there was any sort of epiphany for me other than Mm. just the it's possible to do both at the same time. Um, I think it's just been a longer process of saying, you know what, maybe I'm not as lean as I'd like to be. It's the off season, but I've been making progress. I've been working hard. I am proud of what I've accomplished. Mm. And yet at the same time, being the muscle dysmorphic person that I am going, but I want so much more and just working really hard to, to think on both of those things yeah. rather than focusing exclusively on the, I want more.
2: Cause part of me, like there's, there's a couple of things. It's like when I connect or have sex with somebody that I'm just like blown away about how phenomenal their physique is, I do feel like a little bit of an imposter, like I don't belong there. And even though they're clearly like attracted to me, I'm just like, oh, you're delusional. You're not really seeing the real me, you know, the, the me inside my brain. And then there's the other side, which is like, is, is, um, you know, it's a, it's about celebrating who you are and what you've accomplished, but you know, you're just not realizing that that, Actually, that threshold has been met.
3: Well, so there's a tendency in bodybuilding yeah. to just change the goalposts. You you meet your weight goal, or you meet your body fat goal, and you're like, great, five pounds more, ten pounds more, three percent leaner.
2: And so, and what you does just, your husband say about all this stuff? I was like, because I mean, he's a jacked up muscle dude too. No, no, my nope. husband's a
3: very normal body type okay, person. Okay. Dylan is, um, I don't Dylan, even know. Though
2: I thought, I think, cause I see your Instagram photos and I thought it was one of those guys was, was your husband buddies.
3: Oh no. I, so yeah. I, I have a husband, yeah. Dylan, who we met in college, um, in 2010. Um, and then we've been dating since mm-hmm. 2012, January, 2012. Aww. Um, and then we got married in January of 2018. So we've been together for over a decade now, um, really which is wild to me, um, and he's always been really supportive of me, yeah. but he's, it's hilarious because so many people would kill to be in his spot, but he's not interested in muscle at all. Like I'm actually slightly bigger, well, not slightly, I'm more than slightly bigger than he would prefer me to be for, for maximal sexual attraction.
2: Wow. So, so because you're putting on this muscle, which other people are like the most beautiful man in the world. And your husband's like... Mm, I don't like a man with too many muscles.
3: And you're like, I didn't make this body for you. Well, exactly. And he, he knows that. And he still finds me attractive. He's just like, yeah, when you were a little bit smaller, I thought you were hotter. I'm like, that's fine. That's your taste. We still have a a great relationship, great sex, great chemistry, all of that. It's just, I'm not exactly his ideal body.
2: And, and you have uh go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, and then you have some boyfriends, Robbie lifts and Nick gets big.
3: Yep. Um, so are I you met, uh,
2: polyamorous, or
3: I am polyamorous. Oh. Um, Is there we room met... for more? <laughs> if, if the right person wanders in, maybe. Although I'm I'm pretty tapped out time wise. <laughs> you're like I'm holding auditions in April. Well, so I actually didn't yeah. go out like looking for boyfriends. It yeah. just kind of happened. We met on Scruff one of the times I was most woofed and started talking, and then we kept talking, and then we kept talking. And we went on a a group vacation with some other friends to Vermont to go skiing and kept talking. And then, like, we were, I don't know, about a year later in November, we were like, oh, you know, um, I guess we should think about maybe dating because we have this really great chemistry. And I was like, yeah, that seems about we kept joking about it. And then we were like, actually, we should just date.
2: Wow. What was that? So where was your husband during all this? Oh, He's right there.
3: He he's friends with them. We like it. we all get along. We call it um I don't know if you've ever heard the term kitchen table polyamory. No. <laughs> What's that? So, kitchen table polyamory is when you could have every member of the polycule come and sit sit around the kitchen table for dinner and everybody gets along. Aww. Do you guys so like we, eating
2: meals together when you're not in But is your husband? Yeah. yeah, is
1: your husband dating those people as well
3: or no? No. I mean, We've all gotten together, but no, it's they're more friendly. And I mean, my husband actually has a boyfriend who's a little bit more recent, and I wouldn't say I'm dating him either. It's we I'd say metamores is the term, which is your partner's partner.
1: Wow, metamore,
3: metamore.
2: I feel like I need a chart here.
3: Oh, you please. Our, mine's really simple. My <laughs> sister's in a polycule. Oh, My wow. sister's weirdly more kinky than I am, even though I'm the gay porn star. She's in a polycule that stretches aco- across the entire mid-Atlantic and upper northeast, and it's like 30 to 50 people, depending on when you ask. Oh,
2: my God. So, so it's like a, you're kind of like Mormons, but you know, you're know, uh, you a non-hierarchical, non patriarchal system. Mm-hmm. And what do you say to people who are sort of like frowned down upon it or, or give you like, they're just kind of like throw you shade or they're like, I can't even get one man and here you have seven, you know? Yeah. I never
3: really know how to ask that. Cause it's not like I'm yeah. like going out looking for boyfriends and being like, I'm going to collect more boyfriends. I'm just like, it kind of happened and there was chemistry and it would have been really silly for us to just be like, well, uh, we've clearly got feelings and, we like each other and we have great chemistry, but we're not going to do anything about it because we're in a relationship. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I had somebody on scruff this morning it was just uh I said hey how are you doing and he's like oh i'm doing i'm doing okay but i've been blocking people all morning because of my my view on um i don't believe in polyamory and i believe in monogamy and i'm just kind of just kind of like uh okay then and he's just like people just get so upset about it when i confront them with it i'm just kind of like and i just kind of like let it trail i stopped responding and then i think eventually he just blocked me <laughs> That seems like a lot <laughs> you know, of work Yeah it's a lot of work to fight with people on the internet like that you know
2: I mean but there's well, one thing about I- fighting with people you Right. The other one is to look for people to fight with that you don't know.
1: Right, exactly. Like, you're going to change the whole world? Um. You know? Come on. Well, lucky
0: Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? ha! Uh-huh, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You could get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I
3: don't get it because I'm like, I don't care if you're monogamous. If you don't yeah. want to have sex with me because I'm Paul. Poly- that's fine. If you want to find the one person and only have sex with them for the rest of your life, Mm -hmm. more power to you. If you can make it work, go for it. Right. Um, that's not the life that I want to live. Yeah. So I won't judge you if you don't judge me. Yeah.
1: Why ju- jump in on people like who are clearly on a hookup app looking for sex? You know, like you're going to come in here and do that. So part of me kind of feels like he's some kind of fake profile, or those pictures aren't his, or he's just dicking mm-hmm. around trolling people.
3: Well, people also just get jealous because mm-hmm. they they have that type of personality where they're combative and they're angry, and they project that, and then that just hinders them from ever getting what they want anyway mm-hmm. and they set all these expectations of oh i only want a perfect muscular dude who's six foot and three 230 pounds with an eight percent body fat and he's a doctor and he's monogamous and he's only had three boyfriends before me and then they don't find that person or when if they do find that person god forbid they're not interested because you're a toxic dude being like i only want to hang out with the most perfect people and mm-hmm. never spend any time working on myself and they just get bitter that people are living lives that may, maybe isn't what they want, or maybe is what they want, but they're living these lives and having fulfilling things and doing their own thing, and they're like, why are you happy and I'm not? Mm-hmm. Whereas the people who are just are living those lives and are just doing their own thing and are happy, they're not going around looking for others, other people to um, rag on
2: yeah you're busy, like you have like a seven ten dicks to deal, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I got too many cocks to suck to worry about your fetish of fighting with people. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: yeah, my life is too full to go after people who want to be monogamous in their life. Like I've got bodybuilding to do and boyfriends and husbands and work and hobbies. like i don't I don't have time for this, well, I really do appreciate,
2: like, you know, I know how stressful. Time-consuming, and you know, and you're a gorgeous, man. Everybody wants to talk to you. Everybody wants to be around you. At least the people that appreciate muscle. And so, I really appreciate you taking time out of your super busy schedule to talk to us and giving us an insight and window into your uh, incredibly fabulous life. <laughs> oh,
3: thank you. I'm I'm happy to talk. One of the things yeah. um, that I always find with bodybuilding is as I get busier and busier and more stressed about bodybuilding, it Focuses me on doing things that I actually want to do because you know when you're when you've got more free time you're like "Ah, I can sit on my phone for an hour Mm -hmm. when I'm bodybuilding it's like I'm busy I'm like well I only have so much time outside of the gym I should fill that with spending time with my friends having people over to bake brownies or having a fire in the backyard going to a club doing um, a haunted forest walk like I find that when I'm the busiest is when I put the most effort into enjoying my life anyway.
2: What's your uh, favorite uh, exercise to do at the gym? Like an Ooh. exercise that you recommend other people do because it's so effective at building muscle and it's overlooked.
3: Oh, I mean, I love bench press. I think There's it's a traditional
2: a great, bench press.
3: Yeah. I mean, I... So I actually started lifting. Um, once I got out of the little BB draft phase in high school, the place where I started was with strong lifts, um, mm. strong lifts 5 by 5 which is focused around the five major exercise. Bench, overhead press, barbell row, deadlift, and squad. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm a bit of a traditionalist and like, you can get gigantic just doing basic exercises. Right.
2: Right. But I noticed that, you know, a lot of the trainers and coaches that I've chatted with lately uh, sort of frowning down upon uh, the bent- traditional bench press because of just of the vang- angle of the bar. And so a lot of them are just sort of like wanting to have, you know, a hammer strength machine weighted movement or using dumbbells instead what do you what do you think about that
3: well i can't use dumbbells because my gym only goes up to 100 and there's no way that i can do a press with 100 right. and have it be effective right um i do a mix i mean uh, um my typical chest workout i have one on monday where it starts with bench press i do some flies i do some squeeze presses i do um a chest press machine and I do some cable flies. So it's a little bit of a mix of everything. Mm-hmm. And then my other one is, um, a barbell incline bench and, um, some sternal flies, which are kind of a, like a cable fly, but up and down instead of front to back.
2: Mm-hmm. And how, what's your like uh, split routine, bro. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, right yeah. now I'm doing a six day a week one Okay, where, so it's Monday is chest Tuesday is back. Wednesday is shoulders, arms, and a little bit of abs Thursday's legs. Friday is Friday or Saturday is a rest day, Um, and then there's a whole upper body day. And then today, Sunday is going to be um, just arms and abs and stretching.
2: Oh, so so you're you're training your legs only one day a week?
3: Yeah, um, it got to the point where my legs were a little bit overdeveloped, and so um, I needed to pull back on that a little bit. Interesting. And right now, with the, the amount of cardio that I'm getting um stairmaster or bike like they're getting more than enough exercise. Um
2: yeah, I guess I, I I never thought about it that way. It's like uh, you know, doing like walking the stairs can be in a very effective leg training in itself.
3: Mm-hmm. And I'll probably dial it back up a notch yeah. when I get out of contest prep. Maybe go back to two leg days. Um I haven't been squatting or deadlifting just because my back was getting to the point where it was really a struggle to get through that and then get through the rest of my workout. Right. right. Um And also, I have the problem where I'm honestly too strong for my own good. And when you're squatting 540 for 12, like Mm. there's a level of danger in that that is not necessarily commensurate with the benefit that you're getting from squatting over doing something like a leg press or a pendulum squat.
2: Right, right. Well, because, you know, so many people, it's like they think just heavier and heavier, heavier means more muscle. And to some extent that's true, but uh, there's also the idea of time under tension that just having that muscle under tension at any weight also can be effective at growing it.
3: And again, there's just the risk with yeah. barbell, especially with bench squat and deadlift of if you're doing 400, 500, 600 pounds, yeah. there's the possibility of seriously injuring yourself and then that's going to take a negative toll on your training because you're going to be right. out of the gym for six months. Right. I count myself fortunate that I was trained at a very young age when I started lifting in high school at 16 during lacrosse practice on how to do these exercises safely and appropriately. So I've never had a major injury. But at some point, you have to start asking yourself, is doing 500 pounds for reps of 12 on squat the most effective use of my time, energy, and safety?
2: And it might not be you know yeah. and 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 part of it is like look even if you are cuz people are like well he's on steroids you know he can do anything or whatever and i'm just like performance enhancing drugs are and it's a you know just like a supplement it's an enhancement to all the work that you're already doing
3: well there's actually a problem too with with people who are on steroids and that your muscles can get stronger faster than your tendons do in that right and then you can be physically able to move the weight but your joints and tendons can't support it
2: And so how do you uh, uh, compensate for that?
3: You got to be really careful with your progression. I mean, you don't want to be going up more than five pounds a week on any of your lifts. Right. Um, If you find yourself jumping up 10, 20 pounds a week, you're pushing your muscles past what your joints and ligaments can take. And, it starts to get risky.
1: Yeah. The incremental weights are are where it's at for a lot of people. You know, that 2.5 pounds sometimes can be a big difference and you build that up over time rather than that huge jump.
3: I mean, if you're doing five pounds a week for a 10 week um, strength cycle, you're putting 50 pounds on your lift. Like that's nothing to sneeze at. Exactly.
2: But I want to be big tumble day, (laughs) you know, And, and then that's part of it too. Is like, you know, uh, there is a school on, uh, you know, steroid usage that more is more, but, you know, too mu- a healthy body is better at building muscle than a body that's struggling with cardiovascular health or other things that come mm-hmm. from anabolics.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think there's two really important things to think about with that is yeah. you should always be doing some sort of cardio, even if it's not much. In the off season, I'll usually do 10, 15 minutes, like four to five times a week of just sprint bike get on the bike and ride as fast as I can for 10 minutes.
4: Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. Um, and that just helps keep your heart healthy, keeps your cardiovascular system good, and keeps your, endur- your stamina and your endurance up so that you can hit the weights hard and cause that muscular growth. Um, the other thing is to think about minimum effective dose. More is not always better. And so you want to find the place where you can get the most benefit with the least amount of negative.
2: Right. And so, so part of it is just like figuring out how much to take. So you're not getting negative side effects, but at the same time benefiting from that. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, blood work, right. It's a, I mean, there's no other way than just looking at the levels in your blood and adjusting accordingly and how you feel too.
3: And and keeping a, a, keeping track of how you feel. Are you sleeping well? What's your daily heart rate? Um, What's your digestion like? That type of thing. Um, Do you have sleep apnea? Are you, treating your sleep apnea. If you have to sleep apnea, I mean, I always like to tell people that the most important thing you can do for bodybuilding is diet, then training, then sleep, then stress management, then supplementation.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, at the same time, I also encourage people to, if, if you've been building muscle, you clearly have a passion for muscle. You've been doing this for your entire life. You're over the age of 40 um, you know, hormone replacement therapy, doing a proper steroid cycle, you owe it to yourself. And a lot of these guys, they're like, they don't drink, they don't smoke, they don't do any drugs. I'm like, it's not, it's, you know, and they're, but they're terrified of doing, you know, 15 weeks of 500 testosterone per week, you know, like a very simple extra, you know, a steroid cycle. And I'm always just like, look, it's, it's not, you know, a lot, a lot of hormone replacement clinics, a lot of doctors will actually work with you to get you on a cycle that you feel like can be, you know, relatively safe and monitor that with regular blood work.
3: Yeah. And especially if you have medically diagnosed low testosterone, you can go see a doctor who's going to help you do this to really, yeah. I mean, not even just chasing the the high of muscle growth. It's mm-hmm. like you can have a better life if you take this medically diagnosed testosterone Uh, condition and treat it in a way that's healthy and safe.
2: Well, it's a controversial thing right now because, you know, over the last 30 years, the average um, testosterone levels in men and women uh, and, you know, trans non-binary individuals has dropped significantly. A lot of people don't even realize that everybody has testosterone and estrogen to some degree in their body. Mm -hmm. And all, you know, in terms of testosterone levels, those have dropped so much because of environmental stress, because of the toxins in the environment, because of pesticides, because we don't know, uh, because people mm-hmm. work longer hours and eat poorer and don't are not as physically active. All those factors are basically having uh, doctors come to the conclusion that your low testosterone levels are normal. And to me it's like it's it's alarming because it's like uh in the history of humanity that's not been the case. And yeah, and I mean yeah. it's
3: you you can't function if your hormones can't function properly if your hormones are out of balance whether that's too high, too low, not the right balance between testosterone and estrogen.
2: And that's why I'm just like, look, if your doctor's not going to do it and you can't find anybody in your town that does it, it ain't no crime to you know, order it uh, underground gear. I mean, it is a crime. But.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, I would say if you if you, you have know. medically diagnosed low testosterone, just shop around until you find a doctor that'll treat it. Well, that's the I thing. Mean, we have
2: a privilege that we live in urban environments, but a lot of well, you know, most Americans live in you know a, a rural America, and and that's just not an option for them. And and you know. So ordering, you know, underground gear online and just experimenting on their own, like, you know, Mm -hmm. the vast majority of people have done throughout history, um, it's going to be okay. And you can go, you know, to get your blood work done privately and Mm -hmm. uh, at least try that experience and see how that works for you. It's not going to be, you know, it's not the safest 100% thing, but, you know, I mean, the pharmaceutical industry was saying that opiates were safe, <laughs> you know, the pharmaceutical industry. Now, I think I just read this news story today that they're, they're increasing the Pfizer is increasing the cost of the COVID vaccine by an astronomical amount of money
3: just because of greed. A dose. Yeah. How much? A dose? Because they can.
2: It costs uh, like a dollar uh, like, to make.
3: Yeah. And they're selling it to the U S government for 30 and they're going to sell it privately for 130.
2: That's just broke news today. And everybody's just like, w- are you going to pay back the money that the government gave you to develop that vaccine? I mean, it's you know,
3: but that's always, that's been the story of every yeah. pharmaceutical company ever. Um, Gilead, the maker of a Truvada prep, um, and Descovo, Descovy, mm-hmm. um, that medication was disco- was discovered, designed, and tested with U.S. government funds. Mm-hmm. They make they've made like fifty billion dollars off of that medicine. Yeah, whatever happened to the and lawsuit?
1: Because I know some activists were suing them because of that. They're like, uh, shouldn't you be returning some of this
3: profit? I don't think it's gone anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, and
2: that's no, why people don't trust, you know, what their doctors are saying or the pharmaceutical industry and our our our, you know that's why there's both conservatives and progressives who are vaccine anti-vaxxers or vaccine deniers Um, because mm-hmm. they just see all this corruption and greed. And so they're just like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to, you know, be vegan when it comes to va- like, I have family members who won't take a COVID vaccine and they've had f- close friends and loved ones die of COVID because of it.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that there is, I mean, I'm very strongly a pro vaccine. Yeah. I think that, same. In that discussion, there's, a, there's room to have a healthy skepticism of the pharmaceutical industry because mm-hmm. they are so unbelievably profit-driven. Um, I think at the same time, it's important to note, it, note that the FDA and the U.S. government comes at it from a completely different angle and are trying to actively find the, the safest, healthiest option for US, for people. Um, but that health healthcare is actually very difficult.
2: Well, and, you know, th- what's safer than opiates? <laughs> you know, I mean, part of it is just like, look, it, it, you know, the reason that testosterone is som- somewhat like highly regulated and, you know, illegal to buy underground is because of the fact that it's a cheap thing to make and they can't hold a patent on testosterone cipionate, you know? So it's like they're, the doctors and all that stuff are going to be like prescribing all kinds of stuff that they that the pharmaceutical industry is paying them to to profit off of before they even take a look at your, they're like I've talked to people who are in their 50s and the doctors don't even look at their hormone levels they don't even test for it.
3: Well I think a lot of that is also that I mean they don't cover that in med school to any extent extensive yeah. way so a lot of doctors just don't know is a is yeah. a bigger issue. I mean like I've I've talked to people who they've talked to their doctor about it and they're like their doctor's like, I have no idea. I need to send you to an endocrinologist because I just don't I don't know this stuff.
2: Well, and that's why I say it's like, you know, if you really wanna know, you know, it's it's sort of like I don't know if you remember the movie Dallas Buyers Club, um, where people were sort of like dying of HIV and AIDS in the eighties, so they just like got together and started experimenting with drugs and treatments because the pharmaceutical industry and their doctors were just like helpless, hopeless, you know? And, and so in a lot of ways, I, I tell people it's like, cause they're debating, like what are the best foods to eat or what kind of hormone levels to have in their bodies or fitness? I say, look at the athletes because if they don't perform, they don't get paid or they don't survive or they don't win those medals. When somebody's make it or break it is their body, I would listen to what those people are doing first over what my doctor who, you know, up until recently, historically doctors would smoke in front of their patients, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you look at those 1950s and sixties movie black and white movies where somebody goes to the doctor and the doctor's like, you know, has a cocktail and a cigarette in their hands, <laughs>
3: <laughs> You know? living their best life,
2: living their best life, you know? And so for me, it's like, look, you know, Look to the athletes. Look at what they're doing. Examine what they're doing, and and I and I appreciate you being so honest and and forthcoming with, and sharing so much of your personal and private life because it's mm-hmm. you know and fearlessly being yourself in spaces where that just doesn't take place very often. You know, mm-hmm. having a bodybuilder wearing matching nail polish to matches posing trunks is an act of resistance. is a It's a political act, and it's a beaut an act of beauty. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Derek. <laughs> Thank you, Derek. <laughs> you stand up to the man with the yeah. nail polish. Yeah. Say, mm-hmm. do you li-
2: do you think you could do my nails
3: now? With sugar? this
1: contest, you're going to butch it up though, right?
3: <laughs> yes, I am. I'm going to compete under my real name and I'm going to uh, just wear a clear coat of nail polish, unfortunately. Uh, do you feel
2: comfortable sharing that with the listeners right now?
3: Uh, the, my real name? No, yeah. I would okay. I'd prefer to keep that secret. So please secret. don't
2: ask Derek what his uh, birth certificate
3: name is. Mm.
2: All names are real.
3: That's fair, yes.
2: But uh th- your stage name is Derek Bolt and that's how it shall remain. Mm-hmm.
3: Well it's also very interesting because um all of my friends know me as both. Some yeah. people have met me first as Derek, yeah. some have met me first as my uh birth name, but I answer to either. I mean I've been Derek Bolt for six years. Like it's it's as pu- much a part of me as my real my birth name is.
2: And your and your birth name is Merrick Olt. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you so much. Uh, you you seem like an incredible guy. I would love to taste some of your uh, delicious gourmet brownies. Uh, Mark and I were like drooling, not just over and your, your cannoli. Physique.
1: Sounds delicious. Yeah, you're thick, yeah, he's a creamy he cannoli. Bakes.
2: What are we talking about here? <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to us today.
1: Absolutely. Happy to be on. Thank you, Derek. Good luck with the contest.
2: Yeah, and come back and let us know how you did. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Get
3: that sword.
2: And share with us uh, your recipe for uh, anabolic fried rice.
3: Yes, I will send you that in a text after the show.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Derek. Have a great day. Take care, my friend. Bye-bye. Bye. bye -bye. Bye. Mm -hmm. Derek Bolt lives in Washington, Mm D.C. You can follow him on Instagram, Derek bolt fit mm-hmm. and uh and his boyfriends Robbie dot lifts, and Nick dot gets bi- dot big. well all right let's grow big together <laughs> i mean he's living his best life i like looking at these photos and i'm just like oh he looks great you it's know? all this meat and lots of gravy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so what do you make of it all
1: Make of what?
2: Just, uh, you know, what he was saying about, like, sort of like, uh, would you wear uh, purple nail polish and matching drums? You know, I mean,
1: what did Arnold say? He said, like, homophobia is going to kill the, uh, you know, bodybuilding. And so, you know, you're up there, you're looking at male bodies, you're uh, looking at their aesthetics, you're looking at the form and stuff. And so, uh, you know, maybe they think like the that kind of stuff is a distraction. If you have a crazy hair color or if you're you're painting your nails, they're just like it's it gets in the way of viewing the muscle. Uh, Um, but, or is it just a little internalized homophobia?
2: It's a little bit of both, you know, and I predict, you know, 50 years from now, it's like drag pageants and bodybuilding contests will be the same thing.
1: Well, (laughs) we shall see about that.
2: Well, part of it is like, you know, when we start, you know, if you look at the history of the manipulation of the body, Mm -hmm. right through diet exercise and now through performance enhancing drugs and they're
1: living through chemistry. Uh, right?
2: Myostatin inhibitors mm-hmm. is uh, something new technology. That's just around the corner in the next 50 years. I mean, we may not be around what, to what is see that? it. Uh, so that's basically genetic manipulation to make your body just naturally more muscular in, mm. in a simply simple like, way.
1: Like those dogs with double muscles or the bulls or the yep. cows with double muscles that
2: you see that. Mm. And I've actually met people who actually work in that industry and they're mm. saying like, you know, in 50 to 100 years athletes and bodybuilders will look very different. And so if you think about it and this is of course speculation here, uh, if the act of looking like a bodybuilder is easier for the average person because of technology. Mm-hmm. I mean we know more you know more people are going to the gyms, there's more machines that are more d- better designed, there's more information on the internet, that's technology. Uh, be able to connect with a trainer that fits your needs and budget is also technology because we work on the internet. And as, as, as technology moves forward, the way we look and the way we're able to shape our bodies starts to change as well. And so you start seeing, you know, the she hulks manifesting themselves (laughs) in society and, you know, a muscular build does cause a reaction in people. And usually it's usually a favorable one. Mm. Um, and so when people see that, they're just like, they want to know what's going on. They want to touch it. They want to react to it. And so I can see that manifesting itself in places that doesn't normally happen, like a, like a beauty pageant or a drag pageant, or maybe not. Maybe I'm completely, you know, full, you know, maybe I'm a time traveler in disguise. <laughs> I want to draw attention to uh, our supplement of the week is fish oil.
1: Fit, get to serve up fish oil. What's hun? going on with fish oil these days? Because I I yeah. think the people are what they're looking at the omega three fatty acids. And yes. Like so, if you can get that from somewhere, it's good for you. But there was a research that said uh, out there a few years ago that said fish oil doesn't really do anything for your cardiovascular health.
2: It's not about your cardiovascular health, but I, I definitely see it having a positive impact on joint health. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and people talk about like joint health is always like one of the stumbling blocks right so if you are on steroids and you are eating right mm-hmm. and you're doing everything right your joints still don't grow as fast as everything else does. right
1: and there's wear and tear on your joints and as you get older you're more prone to arthritis and so that holds a lot of people back that are uh, working out and who are older
2: and I think you know like um supplementing with fish oil and I you know we we were taking like the liquid, version and that from the vitamin shop that had mm-hmm. like lemon or orange flavor. Right. And it was like, burp. it was like,
1: I was just Those burp. fish burps,
2: fish burps. So I like just doing the pills and taking, a, you know, three in the morning, three at night. Uh, and another uh, supplement that helps your joints a lot that people may not be familiar with is Sissus quadrangularis. And it's a Ayurvedic herb, uh, from the grape family. And it's uh, native to Asia, and so it's uh, sort of uh, commonly used in Eastern countries and cultures. Um, and um, it's you know really, really a powerful anti-inflammatory medicinal plant. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's great for hemorrhoids. It's great as an anti-inflammant. And uh, it's synergistic, meaning individually it doesn't work as much as it works well with fish oil. So this so works
1: with fish oil. Fish
2: oil really, really well to reduce inflammation mm-hmm. and increase joint health. So if you're having problems with your like a lot, a lot of people it's their shoulders, the elbows, but they're not quite injured, but it's like stiff or sore. Uh, supplementing with cistus quadrangularis.
1: This, this is always also good for yeah. tendons too, right? Tendons, so if you have yeah. like some strain on your tendons and whatnot, uh, this, this is what the... Uh, the joints to tendons, yeah, yeah. The herbal medicine people.
2: We met a uh, bodybuilding witch.
1: Yes. And she, she was, was like, like, you need this.
2: She was Wicca. She was a herbal, a, a druid, a, a practitioner of that mm-hmm. stuff. I wish I could have her on the show. I have no idea where she is today. She got fired. Um, she got fired from her job and she turned me on to Sissus. Uh, and since then, I've run into a lot of people who actually do it. So, Sissus, along with uh, fish oil, is fantastic mm. for your uh, tendons. So, try it out. Uh, remember, Feasts of Fun and Let's Grow Big Together are podcasts that are made possible because of fierce, legendary, epic people just like you. You can access thousands of ad free shows, all are. Catalog by visiting feastoffun.com/plus, and uh, rest assured you'll have that good, warm feeling now that you uh, financed your student loans and you have a little extra money. Mm-hmm. Consider becoming a feast of fun. Member and access our shows and help this podcast
1: continue. You can also join us at Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Feast of Fun for an ad-free experience, or maybe you just like to make a one-time donation. You can do that at FeastofFun.com/slash Donate.
2: We're gonna be in Austin, Texas.
1: Yes, this week.
2: This week, so uh, we're gonna be hanging out in the gyms. If you want to hang out with us and lift you with lift us. And- yeah, uh, message us on Instagram uh, Fausto Fernos.
1: Mark Felion, M A R C F E L I O N. It's the French Mark, mm-hmm. not the uh, Anglo-Saxon. The mark. Con- Continental. The Continental, M A R C Yes. Like a F E L I, like a female lion. It, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's not. Or a
2: feminine lion. No. <laughs> a ferrous like
1: no, it's just filion. Felion. yes yes
2: a filionaire
1: yes yes exactly and
2: you can hang out with us uh, we're gonna be on austin texas and we'd love to meet you guys if you are listeners of the show and if you're not listeners, <laughs> of the show big. you're not listening to this so who am i talking to exactly right <laughs> uh what are you dressing up for halloween a skeleton me too i, I want to go as a piñata because
1: i wanted to get um you want to get beat by a you know, big old have, stick. Mm, yeah. Have all the candy fall out of you. Yeah. Mm. We could still do it. <laughs> so with or without the pinata costume, we'll do it. Everybody <laughs> grab a stick. Yeah. Come <laughs> give, on. Give me some candy. Let's hang them over here by the tree and then just
2: get them. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't no, <laughs> It's a sexual thing, not a no. violence thing.
1: Yes. Of course. Love a light, a light beating.
2: Yeah. Or you could just pull on my strings <laughs> and all the, all the candy comes out.
1: Ooh, I'm afraid of what kind of candy. That's
2: that was like when 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 I was growing up, the piñatas were boxes, and we pulled on a on a trap door underneath it, and the candy came out. We didn't like
1: beat them up or. That's dumb. Why would you do that?
2: Because it was cleaner, easier to clean. So the parents would do that. It was like t- 1980s, you know, and they were all like. That's no fun. <laughs>
1: Take the fun out of everything.
2: <laughs> well, that was just a, you know, did you have a piñata that was like a, ever I made a, a piñata
1: once for Spanish class, but yeah. I made it too thick and it was hard to break open. I made it, it was like a penguin.
2: Oh, that's super, really cute. It was super cute,
1: but it was just too hard to break open.
2: And you were like, you just kept beating it with a stick and nothing exactly, happened. Nothing. You just, just like, fell. Why won't
1: you die, penguin?
2: <laughs> I want that Kit Kat inside there. <laughs> it's not anabolic, but damn it, it's Halloween. Thank you so much for listening everybody and uh, visit us on the on the show notes write us a review on your podcast and access Derek Bolt's anabolic fried rice recipe mm. you, you don't want to miss it yum bye everybody bye bye